Welcome back to another episode of the AACTE podcast. AACTE, the American Association of Colleges for Teacher Education, is the leading voice on educator preparation. I'm your host, Dr. Lynn Gangone, President and CEO of AACTE. We're continuing in our first series where we're highlighting case stories that were first shared at our national conference in 2021 by AACTE members. Today's episode highlights a case study shared by Dr. Eva Zeigmund, the Helen Gant Elmore Distinguished Professor of Early Childhood Youth and Family Studies at Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana. This case study follows the story of a unique and inspiring partnership between Muncie Community Schools, Ball State University, and members of the Muncie community to collaborate and reform Muncie's school system. Muncie is a community that was once dominated by manufacturing, but in recent decades has seen steady industrial decline, leading to increased poverty and unemployment, which in turn has negatively affected the community's educational system. This is an inspiring study, and really a story, that showcases how community and educational partnerships can make a huge impact in the community's educational system. It highlights community engagement as a key strategy to developing sustainable solutions to educational challenges. Let's hear how this university used community collaborations as a mechanism to reclaim their local schools. Hello, my name is Eva Zygmunt. I am a professor in the Department of Early Childhood Youth and Family Studies at Ball State University. And I'm excited to be here today to talk about what I think is a really, really interesting story. It's an unusual story about the partnership between Ball State University and Muncie Community Schools. We are certainly a community in transition. Enrollment in Muncie Community Schools peaked in 1967, sort of at the height of our industrial activity. So enrollment was about 19,800 in 1967. In the last decade, decade plus here in Muncie, we've lost more than 15,000 jobs. We used to be an automobile manufacturing sort of mecca with a specialization in transmissions. All of those jobs are gone. We are part of the Rust Belt, not unlike many Midwestern cities, but we have lost a dramatic amount of employment and a dramatic amount of population as a result. Current enrollment in Muncie Community Schools is 5,200 students. We have seen many schools close. We have gone from three high schools down to one high school. We currently have seven elementary schools, two middle schools that will probably soon be one, and one high school, 5,200 students. Our community poverty rate is right around 32%. If we look at all of the students in Muncie Community Schools, we have a rate of free and reduced lunch of about 75%. Every single school in Muncie is a Title I school. Some context for the district and some of the things that were going on in the district. We're going to examine now a pattern of mismanagement that gets us to where we are at this particular point in time. So in 2014, unbeknownst to many, 
$10 million that was intended for building repair was spent on general operating expenses. That sort of mismanagement came to light in 2016. And then in the fall of 2017, the state instituted emergency management over the district. That was exacerbated even further when in December of 2017, um, a complete academic and financial takeover of the district took place and we were labeled as a distressed unit by the state of Indiana. That was going on. There was some interesting legislative work that was happening sort of in a parallel vein. In January of 2018, House Bill 1315 was introduced, and this bill would give the district an interest-free loan and erase that distressed unit label if they would give authority for governance of the district to Ball State University. That would be one of the first instances in the history of the country where a university would have governance over a school system. Universities in other parts of the country have had control perhaps of a particular school or group of schools, but not an entire district. Part of that legislation said that there would be an appointed school board instead of an elected school board, which would be a, a big transition for our community. We currently had an elected school board in place. Also, the legislation said that there would be no provision for collective bargaining. So you can imagine that this legislation was seen as somewhat problematic by members of our community who took a lot of pride in electing their own school board. Also, on the part of teachers, there was quite a bit of fear about no provision for collective bargaining. And the small union representation that we did have in place actively fought against this. So there were quite a few community meetings where people were lobbying against this particular legislation. And again, fear. And, you know, unfortunate because, like I said, up until this point, the university and the community had been coming together more and more and reparative work had been done. And so this really put the university and the community sort of at odds with each other. There was also some questioning about why this legislation came up, how it came up. So there was some mistrust about the whole process. So everyone was just kind of waiting and wondering, is this legislation going to pass? What does this mean? In just a crazy turn of events, the legislative session ended at midnight in March of 2018, and they didn't vote on the legislation. So the session ended and the legislation just kind of died on the table. Then in May, they called a one-day special session and voted on the legislation and it passed. So in June of 2018, once the legislation passed, the current school board was sort of no longer in power. The university sort of held the reins over the district. And in June of 2018, Ball State appointed a seven-member school 
board. I have to say that the process for the appointment of that school board was was very inclusive. People did not know how that was going to go. There was some fear that, you know, people from around the state that had no connection to our community would be appointed. And that certainly was not the case. Ball State took nominees from all over the community. They had an open forum where many of the nominees, a majority of which almost exclusively were from our community, got to entertain questions from the public. And then the appointment of the seven-member school board was made. And it was a diverse and inclusive and representative population from our community. In January of 2019, then, Ball State created a joint university district, what they called Academic Innovation Council, that had the responsibility of developing an academic innovation and financial viability plan to be presented to the Indiana legislature in June 2020. So that was part of the legislation, right? That Ball State would appoint that school board and that over a period of time, this academic innovation council would prepare an innovation and financial viability plan that would be presented and then approved by the Indiana legislature. Interestingly enough, And to the great disappointment of members of the community, the council, while comprised of university and district leadership, had no community representation. So once again, the community felt pushed out, marginalized from this process of school improvement. The purpose of community engagement in school reform is to ensure that community improvement is done with the community, not to the community and confirms that states, districts, and schools have used community engagement as a key strategy for making school turnaround more effective. That when the community is engaged in this process, that when the community has a voice in this process, that then the community buys into the solutions and is integral to the solution. So at this moment in time, members of the community reached out to their very good and trusted friends at United Way of Delaware and Henry County, people that have been engaged in soliciting and honoring the voice, honoring the wisdom and the expertise of the community in the generation of solutions. And we ask our our colleagues at United Way, can we collaborate on soliciting that voice and, again, honoring and privileging and elevating the cultural wealth of our community as integral to the solution that we need for our school systems instead of viewing it as part of the problem. And so, you know, together with our colleagues at United Way, we were able to generate some very limited resources, but enough so that we could do what United Way does well, which are called listening and learning sessions, which use the Harwood Institute for Public Innovations protocol. And so we were able to, over the summer and fall, prior to the development of, or while the academic innovation plan was still being developed, solicit that voice and then offer that to the university's academic innovation council as important and pivotal for inclusion in that plan. So this collaboration was was really fantastic, you know, and the question that that we ask is, you know, what do you what do you hope for for Muncie Community Schools? 
And we cast the net very wide to be inclusive of an array of members of our community that represent very different, you know, backgrounds and and cultures and perspectives and uh, beliefs and values. And, you know, this is what the Harwood Institute kind of community conversations framework looks like. What are community aspirations for children's education? What are community concerns regarding children's education? What could a system of education look like that would address the community aspirations and concerns? What's keeping our community from making the progress that we want? What are the barriers? What kind of things could be done in our community that would make a difference? Who in our community would you trust to take action? And so those were sort of the frameworks of these conversations. And these are not large gatherings. So in total, from June until September of 2018, we did five what they call chalkboard sessions where you gather at other events that were already happening and sort of just kind of leave chalkboards out and let people, you know, generate their own sort of narrative on these chalkboards. We did 16 full listen and learn sessions where, you know, we went through the entire protocol. Those were probably maybe two-hour conversations where we took, you know, copious notes. And then we did four unique three-question sort of abbreviated interview sessions. Some of these happened at the community pool. You know, we tried to locate ourselves where families would naturally gather and make this opportunity to provide the voice in the generation of solutions accessible to as many people as possible. At the end of the day, you know, people from the university, people from the community, people from United Way sat down to analyze the data, to pour over the notes, and to generate themes. And from the data, from the listen and learn sessions using the Harwood protocol, there were 12 themes that emerged. So I just want to show how this played out. What happened is we, you know, after pouring over the data and generating the themes, produced a full report that was then submitted to the Academic Council for their consideration and their inclusion of what the community had identified as significant issues. And so I'm just going to share four of the themes with you and what this looked like in the report. This is what members of our community said. People want high-quality education for their children, but they're concerned that teachers are not experienced, equipped, and or empowered to make learning engaging, and that the current system overtests students. As people talk more about these concerns, they talk about teachers being poorly paid and having low morale, and they wonder how the district can recruit and retain excellent teachers. When they say that we need to focus on equipping and empowering teachers to offer joyful learning experiences, which effectively engage students' interests in a variety of disciplines using multiple instructional approaches. And if Ball State, local businesses and community programs and community members played a part in those actions, members of the community would be more likely to trust the effort. So again, you're just, you know, getting a taste of the, of the brilliance, you know, of members of our community and just like really, really, really specifically and deliberately saying what it is that students need. So that's effective teachers. Full service community schools. People want children to be productive, future contributing citizens, but they're concerned 
that adverse childhood experiences, issues facing families, and a lack of resources for teachers and counselors creates a vicious cycle of poor outcomes. As people talk more about their concerns, they talk about needing additional wraparound services to address the needs of children and families. They say that we need to focus on relationship building with an eye toward trauma-informed care for teachers, after-school programs, and families. And if families, community members, social workers, mental health care providers, and Ball State played a part in those actions, members of the community would more likely trust the effort. In terms of equity, People want equity across all schools, but they're concerned that not everyone understands the fundamental truth that all families want the best for their children and that not all teachers have high expectations for children's success. As people talk more about those concerns, they talk about systemic racism and classism, lack of skill and will in engaging students in culturally responsive, affirming and inclusive teaching, and an overall failure to meet all students' needs equitably. They say that we need to focus on equity across a variety of dimensions, including ensuring all students equal access to a rigorous curriculum, highly effective teachers, and state-of-the-art facilities throughout the district. And then, of course, they talked about family and community engagement. People want reliability, transparency, and basic human decency. You know, we are the consumers of this system of public education, and we want to be acknowledged as such. But they're concerned that they feel shut out of schools and subsequently powerless in impacting their children's education. As people talk more about the concerns, they talk about lack of communication, poor transportation options, and overall lack of trust between families and schools, and vice versa. And that they say we need to focus on authentic connections with families and relationship building founded on the belief that families have the capacity to support children's learning, and that schools have much to learn about families' knowledge in order to be culturally responsive, relevant, and sustaining. And if Muncie Community Schools prioritize this, and Ball State families and community members played a part in those actions, members of the community would be more likely to trust the effort. So again, you know, this is how the report played out. And as I said, then the full report was, of course, published on United Way's website, shared with the larger community, but especially delivered with great care to the Academic Innovation Council. So what are the outcomes of this initiative? The United Way of Delaware County and Henry Counties created a report in collaboration with the team who had been engaged in the listening and learning sessions, and it was submitted to the Academic Innovation Council for their deliberation. Themes identified by the community, what we found you know, to our, to our delight was that the community wisdom and expertise was significantly privileged in the academic innovation plan, which was published in the summer of 2019 for fall 2019 implementation. And of course, you know, we, we cannot know what that innovation plan would have looked like without this input. So the pillars of focus, they talk about high quality pre-kindergarten education, recruitment, development, and retention of educational leaders, student-centered teaching and active learning, talk about social and emotional learning, family and community engagement, 
and then the foundational principles of culturally responsive practice, continuous, aligned, and strategic professional learning. We have been in an implementation phase for the last year, and tremendous things are happening in the district. Tremendous things are happening in the district. And the university and community and school collaboration has really been quite responsible, I believe, for the changes that we are seeing and the excellent work that we are seeing emerge. Just one example that I'm going to end up with right now, which is, you know, really, really exciting. The university continues to, you know, engage strategically with the community schools. Community schools is a professional development school district. We have professional development liaisons at every single school who work with the district on the generation of professional development who serve as liaisons between the university and each school then works to identify particular needs and partner with the university in addressing those needs. Colleagues and I are working with the district right now on this opportunity that just came up, which is a United States Department of Ed application for a grant for full service community schools, which is a up to $2.5 million grant over a period of six years. Our district and community partners and colleagues, the generation of this grant application and are quite hopeful. I would just like to say that the voice of the community as central to the generation of the solutions to the problems of the district has been instrumental, I believe, in where we are now. Of course, the district, we have a terrifically talented school board of dedicated members of the community. We have a terrifically talented superintendent of schools who is fully dedicated to realizing um, the hopes and dreams that, that parents have for their children. And we have, you know, an amazing staff of teachers who are working tirelessly to ensure that best practice is happening in schools, that we don't just have an opportunity, we have a responsibility to work together. And I really feel like at Ball State that is that is happening. Again, it's not perfect. It is messy. We don't always share the exact same priorities and values, but we are working together and bringing the community in and along as generative of the solutions. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the AACTE podcast. If you'd like to learn more about revolutionizing education and our annual conference, please visit our website at aacte.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at AACTE. There are more episodes coming your way, so be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any new episodes. We hope you'll join us again next time.